We're going to learn the personal history of David Copperfield. We're going to find out there's no fathers in Kashmir. We're going to hold a grudge and we're going to go for the turning. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Off Screen. Let's get cinematic. So, uh, Bex, we that's got a nice s- opener. You like that? Yeah, right, let's get cinematic. That's good. Need- you feel energised for 2020. I feel, yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's my year, you see. It's my uh-huh. year. It's Age of Vans. What the, universal, mm. the universe is giving back to you this year, mm, right? Exactly. That's, yeah, that's good. the plan. Is it giving back to the world of movies? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's an iffy week. Yeah, it is an iffy, iffy week. Very iffy week. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best movie out this week is one that I don't think any, any mainstream audience is ever really going to see. But uh, No, the number of Biffa Awards it's been nominated for probably suggests. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start then with uh, what I'm surprised is this uh, where does this sit with the BAFTAs it's the personal history of David Copperfield I'm not sure it's sort of uh, do you know what I think this is a lot of waffle and fodder rather than it actually accumulating any real hmm. significant award within it okay so the personal history of David Copperfield is obviously based on the Charles Dickens novel mm-hmm. um, which is semi-autobiographical as well uh, um, yeah, and right. Dev Patel plays the lead David Copperfield is a kind of works his way from birth through life in Victorian society I was convinced the famous soprano was practicing upstairs oh exciting who no I uh, I mean to say it, it turned out to be you oh I see. A compliment. Thank you. Copperfield. I have to go. What time? You could come up after my next lesson. I can sing you a piece. Thank you. I'll, I'll bring something to throw at you. As in a, a bouquet of flowers. Uh, yes. <laughs> bit of romance there as well really a little bit of romance but, yeah. bit of, it's not the kind of romance i would suggest <laughs> it's not really a hot and heavy film no if we're honest. It's not. <laughs> but it is do you know what it is a colourful film mm, it's it a colourful in lots mm. of different ways so obviously the costumes the look and feel of it it doesn't look like normal victorian london it's not dark and dreary and full of pollution it's actually bright and beautiful colours it's and, quite technicolor yes. it, it, it almost has that sort of when you see the the Fresh. rosier yeah the rosier uh, oliver twist adaptations kind of yeah. Yeah. have that technical appeal definitely makes me kind of want springtime to come along a little bit sooner particularly looking outside <laughs> at the gloomy clouds today but also speaking of colour it's got colour blind casting in this Dev Patel yeah Dev Patel is the lead in this his aunt is played by Tilda Swinton one of his love interests do we, is... do we know what ethnicity Tilda Swinton is yet <laughs> well is... She's, she's a bit of a, she's a bit of everything she's Proper amazing chameleon, yeah she? she's a real chameleon and again she, she's Betsy Trotwood in this and yeah. she the first, I love her entrance because it, it, we go back to kind of um, David Copperfield's birth and she, as his aunt, is coming in and the first thing you see is her pressing her nose up against the window, sticking yes. her nose in and kind of going, is it, an, is it going to be a niece? I'm desperate mm. for a niece. And then it turns out to be a boy and she can't believe it. She also has a hatred for donkeys, which I think is hilarious. That's the thing. I mean, the, there's moments of that kind of comedy in it. like, And they do seem to come about largely through Tilda Swinton and Hugh Laurie. Yes. I found the Peter Capaldi stuff wasn't quite as charming as I think it was intended no, it, to be. Do you know what? It felt a bit like a play with him where he's like, mm. all right, all right, I'm going to play the yeah. dodgy old guy, you know. And 
kind of felt like if Hugh Laurie and Peter Capaldi had played one another's roles, yeah, it might have worked better. Potentially, In a strange yeah. way. Yeah. But I, that's something. For me, I'm I'm the Iannucci guy. I mean, I'm a huge Iannucci fan. I don't know. I'm not. Hang on. A, for anyone who on. doesn't know who, uh, who Armando Armando Iannucci, Iannucci so, he did the thick of it. He did the uh, in the loop. Um, yeah, v. V. Uh, 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 the death of Stalin. Death of Stalin, obviously. Yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, in the loop was the the movie of thick of it, wasn't it? Yes. And of course, yeah, death of Stalin was just amazing. Yeah. It's a very particular type of humour. Mm. So again, you know, you love it. I'm not a massive fan. It doesn't, you know, it makes me chuckle. I'm not, but I'm not like a fanatic about it. And I think actually this will divide the audiences. The humour is not for everyone on this. But that's the thing. I don't think this is standard Iannucci humour. There are moments like that Tilda Swinton scene uh, when she's, is it a niece? That feels very Iannucci. Yes. But the rest of it feels uh, almost slavish to the adaptation element. It feels because there's obviously well, it's not his material. Well, it's 600 pages yeah. being, being whittled down into two hours. <laughs> I mean, you know, hats off to Iannucci for that. Um, that is not the easiest thing to do. No. But I think as a fun adaptation, you know, it's a bit of a dreary week on film. It's a mm. nice sort of, you know, silver lining in terms of something that's lighthearted. It is fun. If you like things like Sense and Sensibility, if you like Pride and Prejudice, those kind of movies, you're a fan of seeing, you know, great literature turned into a lovely adaptation for the big screen or even the little screen as well, you know, this will be up your street. And in fact, there's a bit of a theme of that with this week's films as well because we're seeing, you know, adaptations coming out in the cinema. But for me... There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of waffle. There's a lot of tube posters. Do you think it's justified? That's the question. I'm not sure. I, I'm just not a massive fan of period films. I'm not a massive fan of period adaptations. Mm. I don't have the patience for them. And if I don't know what's going on, if I've never read David Copperfield, yeah. I don't really get it. I feel like after the critical success that was uh, The Death of Stalin, I feel like this is Iannucci very cynically saying, oh, I know what it takes to, to be given proper credibility now. Yeah. Uh, so I'll remove a lot of myself from it, do another period piece and see how that works. But is that, do you know what? It's actually more of a passion project. So mm. he was an Oxford graduate. Yes, I yeah, And he, in literature, he loves the idea of it. You can see the prose coming through in this and how he's constructed the script. The artistry of what he's done mm. is great. Yes, I think it's literally down to preference on this one. I think so as well. Yeah. Our, our mutual friend, uh, Chris Lisset from, yeah. from The Mirror, yeah. uh, he and I were talking before uh, one of the other films this week, and I, and I asked him, can you tell me why you enjoyed it so much? Went, oh, well, I really love the book for starters, and I'm like, ah, okay, there, there it is, right there. Yeah. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're one of the Dickensy files, as I've been uh, calling them, yeah. uh, you're going to absolutely lap this up. If you are just mean, you're an Armando Iannucci fan, um, you might feel slightly you disappointed. You might feel a bit let down. There's, yeah. there's certainly no uh, no Jason Isaacs moment in this. No. Also, it's one thumb up from me purely for the filmmaking credibility of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm one thumb up as well. Yeah. I just think I'm not a massive Iannucci fan. I'm yeah. not a massive reader of Dickensian novels. So for me, I'm going into it a little bit blind and... Yeah. I wasn't sure how I was going to get through the film. So, <laughs> speaking of cheerful stuff... Yes. ...you know, this week, uh, No Fathers in Cashmere. Oh, this is yeah. Hardly, I'm sure this uh, sounds cheerful. Just from the, the title alone is quite blunt about what you're in for, really, yeah, isn't it? Okay. Uh, this is not what you would call a charming rom-com. Okay. Uh, this is the... Is it a documentary? It's not a documentary. It's a narrative feature, but it's got a very uh, a cinema verite kind of a style to it. It's meant to be as naturalistic as possible. Uh, also including relatively inexperienced uh, cast members. And it's um, filmmaker Ashvin Kumar. This is his third 
project about Kashmir. He's made this this drama in which a 16-year-old British girl uh, of Indian origin uh, returns to Kashmir to meet her uh, grandparents who she hasn't seen since she was very, very young. Mm. Her father disappeared many years earlier in Kashmir prior to them leaving the country. And it is this eye-opening experience of this sort of selfie-obsessed British teenage girl, played by you know, relative newcomers, Zara Webb, and her sort of learning what the reality of life in Kashmir is like. And the film, although it is a drama, does begin with sort of this, this real real world statement of, look, this goes on all the time. This is based on a thousand stories of you know things that have happened. It's a, it's an it's an amalgam, but amalgam? Amalgam? Amalgamation. Amalgamation? Amalgamation. It's an amalgamation of some of those stories, but you know, a lot of this is based in reality. And that's what comes up towards it at the end as well. Um, it's a very eye-opening film. Um, there is this phenomenon that I wasn't aware of of half orphans, as they're called. Half orphans. Half orphans. Okay. Uh, in, in which the uh, the central character, what's her name now? Uh, Noor, the main character is called. Uh, Noor, for instance, uh, discovers that she's identified as a half orphan because all the fathers get taken as sort of oh. distance within within, par- within military organisations. And it's a, a story I genuinely didn't know. There's some absolutely horrifying stuff in there. There is a scene in this that's straight out of Hotel Rwanda wow. in terms of just absolutely horrific it is. Uh, it has run into some controversy, noticeably in India, surrounding the age rating of it. And Which was? Well, the filmmaker wanted it for, despite that scene I've just mentioned, not mm. particularly gratuitous, the idea was to get the film rated as low as possible so that it could be seen by everyone. As, much, as yes, many as possible. As yeah. many as possible. And the Indian Censorship Board had evidently other ideas in mind. And so was, essentially put it at an 18. That kind of a thing, yes. Well, um, you know, they're there to protect the people uh, that are watching it. I mean, Is I that justified? I grew up in censorship culture, and I would argue no, no, it's not. Okay. But uh, but that's just that's my own personal. You can feel about censorship however you like. Uh, for my money, an excellent film. I think Zara Webb is tremendous. Well, the there you go. I was going to say yeah. you picked you picked up on a fact that it's relative newcomer act, uh, you know actors yeah. acting cast in this. But there's a rawness that's, to it. There's a rawness to it. I, d- I don't necessarily mm. think that's a bad thing. I think the inexperience adds to it. Helps sometimes. with that reality, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. That making it feel more real kind of a thing. Yeah. I think she's absolutely, she's one to watch out of this, but Ashwin Kumar as well, uh, really great movie from him. Uh, it's not a popcorn muncher by any stretch of the imagination. This is not a date movie by any stretch of the imagination right. either. Um, do see this though on Sunday afternoon if you want something harrowing and gripping. Yeah, <laughs> No Fathers in Kashmir, two thumbs up from me. Absolutely Fantastic. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now we're taking a horrible turn. <laughs> I say that with love and affection because we are we are. Are you though? No, are I'm you? not. I'm not sure. I mean, a half might be. Um, we are. We are doing a bit of a horror segment. We right? kind of are, aren't we? Two horror movies back yeah. to back. We're continuing also the idea of a, an adaptation of a novel mm-hmm. as well with our first movie that we're adaptation talking about. Adaptation of a novel and then an adaptation of a J-horror film as well, really, in one yes. sense. Or reboot, a reboot. reboot of an adaptation. Goodness it, yeah. me, the technicalities are just running away with us. Um, the first movie we're going to talk about in this segment is The Turning, which is an adaptation of the 1898 Henry James uh, novel, which is it's a ghost story, really, which is The Turning of the Screw. This is it time, that old, like the book? 1898, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Well, you should at least Wikipedia it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, this is basically now uh, adapted and set in the 1990s. Nine, I think it's 94. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of just set. after Cobain died because I think yes, early on we get a mention. And yeah. they make a big thing about Kurt Cobain dying in the first sequence of, of, do, of the yeah. movie. 
but the 90s thing is not really ever explored in it. Anyway, let me tell you kind of what the premise is. It's about a young teacher who takes a job looking after a girl and her brother whose parents, aristocratic parents, mm. have been killed in a car accident. So she goes in essentially as a live-in nanny or governess. That's it, the governess. I was trying to remember what the word was. Yeah, it's governess, a governess isn't it? But yeah. I think governess is quite an old terminology mm. for it. So to put it, she's basically there as a teacher, a live-in teacher for them. Mm. And as she spends more and more nights in this big old spooky old mansion with two kids and, and a live-in governess as well, mm -hmm. things get more crazy. I thought I was going crazy, but I'm not. He's here. Oh. You know that, don't you? Yeah. We need to leave. No, I can't. I'm sorry for everything. Flora won't leave without you. We need to go. Can't. You won't let me leave. Oh, we should say off the back of that clip that, that the uh, the boy of the, of the two children is Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things and, yes. and It. And the governess is Mackenzie Davies. Mac Mackenzie who Davies, you'll recognise yeah. from um, the latest Terminator film. Martian for me. Oh, yeah. oh, San Junipero. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to come up with that the other day. Like, what would people know? As in Black Mirror? Yeah, Black yeah. Mirror, San Junipero. Yeah. That's, that's the biggie of Black Mirror, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, deservedly so. I think yeah. She's Google a great actress. Great. And, and look, I'm going to start by saying I don't fault any of the performances in this. Do you not? I think Mackenzie Davis is fine in this. Right. Finn Wolfhard is okay. They're all fine in their own distinct films. <laughs> right, and that's the thing because I I was listening to you tell me the plot of that, and yeah. I was I was just I, I was genuinely on the edge of my seat with suspense because I wanted to know what you thought the film was about because I don't think the people writing it do. <laughs> it seems to have about nine different plots that it's doing at any given time. And then, spoiler alert, they end the movie suddenly and then just do another ending. So, and then they don't bother wrapping anything up. Right. To counter what you're saying, yeah. some would suggest mm. that the filmmaker has yeah. actually steered too close to the source material, mm -hmm. therefore not given themselves enough artistic license to make this interesting for a modern day yeah. audience. Now, don't get me wrong, there have been many adaptations of The Turning of the Screw. There was a BBC adaptation, which I did watch. This the the good the positive thing about that is that the story itself is relatively timeless. You can place mm, it in yeah. different eras, which I think works. Yeah. What I would have liked to have seen is to re is some reasoning as to why it's set in the nineties. Because apart from a Walkman, Kurt Cobain's death, and lack well, of mobile phones, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to it. That's the Joker dilemma, isn't it? It's why is this film set in the eighties? There's no specific reason yeah. that it would be. I mean, there's actually a massive contradiction in that case. But um, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, uh, Just Mercy had this recently as well. Right. Just Mercy yes. is set in the nineties, and you don't notice for the first half of the film because it's just not important. Yeah which is odd. But, but the interesting thing about this movie is is that it just never gets going. So this movie is is should be a combination mm. of jump scares and psychological horror. Yes, yes right? it should. But it, it would should... have to have a through line for that to work. Yes, and it doesn't. Mm. And the thing is, is that you're spending the majority of this movie going, get on with it. <laughs> and then the ending is so curt that you're kind of going... Which which one though? <laughs> because... what, what was the yeah. point? And and this is the thing. And then we were we were educated when we came out, going, "What the hell have we just watched?" Mm. By one of the other critics, going, "Actually, the original Henry James novel does have an indecisive ending." Yeah. And that made me think. 
sometimes you've got to just do what's best for the movie and yeah. take it into a different direction. Right. I will counter as well by saying, do you know who the filmmaker is on this out of interest? Because I, I, I'm not over, I wasn't overly familiar with it. No. Right. So Floria Sigimondi, who is a, uh, a Canadian uh, artist, art filmmaker, photographer, and music radio director. She has worked with artists. I've got the list in front of me. Artists such as Justin Timberlake, Rihanna, Leonard Cohen, Katy Perry, and David Bowie. So she's making a two, an hour and a half long music video. That's the thing. And you start to wonder about the Kurt Cobain thing, elements like that. She's also directed things like Hemlock Grove right. and Daredevil for Netflix. There is a specific horror bent. She also did that Kristen Stewart Runaways movie about 10 yeah. years ago. So there is a very music video sensibility within her. It's and a bit I, like Hannah. I always yeah, found Hannah was like a... Kind of like a music video. Yeah. You wonder if that sensibility, unlike Hannah, if that sensibility here has found its way to bleed into the narrative as well. To be, do you know what? It can be more conceptual, which I think is absolutely the wrong position to take. It's worth knowing we were embargoed on this till quite late in the game. Yeah, and that's never a good sign, mm, unfortunately. It isn't, but, but uh, you know, I wish I could say like it's the first horror of 2020, <laughs> right? And, and I was like, going, well, okay, let's see how this year sets off in the world of horror. It falls flat. No thumbs. No thumbs. No thumbs. No thumbs from me either. No, a uh, big waste of an hour and a half of our time. Make sure you guys don't waste yours. Half a thumb because Mackenzie Davis exists. That's about it. She's all right, you yeah, know. Yeah, I'd yeah. give half a thumb for the performances because <laughs> they're okay. But yeah, but each one seems to be a story of a different movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We said that you know that was the first horror film of yeah. 2020, right? So funny experience. The following day, I was at Sony. I was talking to my friend Charlotte from the Evening Standard, mm -hmm. and we were saying, "What were the what expectations for this? It's the Grudge, you know, the Grudge after all these years. What were we expecting?" And my sarcastic response was, "Well, at least we know it's not the worst horror film we'll see this week because we'd already seen The, the Turning. Turning." I will admit this comes close. <laughs> Okay, so The Grudge, mm -hmm. I just said to you before we got in the studio today, I said, oh, I really love the original. And you're like, I love how you're calling the Sarah Michelle Gellar one the original. And I was like, well, it's the original that I've seen. I have not seen the original original. Mm. Actually, weirdly, that was one of the few J-horror remakes that was actually, I think probably the only one that was actually directed by the guy who had directed the original. Yeah. Because I think he did one of the sequels and then flew to the US straight away. And it, did also, the, yeah. it also has a very special place in my heart because it's the first... The first date that I ever went on with my husband was oh, to go and watch The Grudge. And so, you've been holding a grudge all these I've years. been holding a grudge ever since. <laughs> so, but yeah, mm. I, I, I thought that the, those grudge movies of the time were yeah. great horror movies. Well, this is meant to be sort of a sidequel, a sort of spin-off of them. Yeah. As in, same thing, different day. Okay. This takes place in multiple time periods, as the Grudge movies tend to do. It's yeah. non-linear, it's chopped all around the case, you've got different casts in different time yeah. periods. Here, those casts include, on the one portion, Demian Bashir and, uh, uh, oh, God, Andrea Riseborough. I almost said Charlotte Rampling for some reason. Andrea, Andrea Riseborough. Riseborough. Yeah, I she know. She makes very interesting decisions. She this does. is not one of the better ones. The other part, you've got John Cho. In another bit, you've got Lynn Shea. And it is about this house with the iconic Juon curse that will, you know, bring about terrible things amongst anyone who steps within it. All of which kicks off with a murder investigation between new partners, Demian Bashir and Andrea Riseborough. Why did it take so long to find her? Well, this here's a service room. They only just started using it for the season. Anyone come looking for her? That's just it. Uh, the feds, they're already looking for her. Turns out she's one of those assisted suicide broads. Find anything on her? Usual stuff. I got an address, though. Directions in the glove box. 44 Rayburn Drive. Same place as the Landers case. Looks like we got another one. 
So it's very wannabe true detective in the early portions, as you can hear from that, uh, that little... I wonder there. if this was actually massively mm. mispitched. I cannot figure out for the life of me what anybody involved in this film was thinking. Uh, there is a moment very early on in which Demian Bashir and Andrea Riseborough are introduced for the first time. Demian Bashir walks into a room and says, who's that? And the answer he gets is, oh, that's Officer So-and-so. She just moved here. Her husband died after a prolonged battle with cancer that lasted several years, and she's now a single mum struggling to cope. And you're like, you couldn't have just said that was so-and-so. Like, is there a need for this yes. level of everybody? Explanation. Yeah, everybody speaks in exposition. And then you've got the time jumping element that comes with all these movies, which is hard to get a handle around normally. Yeah. But when you're bored, it's even more difficult. You've then got the same exact jump scare that's just recycled like 6,000 times. I mean, if you're, if you're being literal about it, probably a good 40 times the yeah. same exact yeah. jump scare happens, uh, which incidentally was done way better in the movie Lights Out, if we're right. being direct about that as well. It's not particularly interestingly shot. It's, it's Nicholas Pesci um, who, who's come up doing things like uh, was it The Eyes of My Mother, which I thought was quite an interesting horror film. This is infinitely less interesting. Okay. It's still got Sam Raimi attached to it as a producer because it comes course, to Ghost they House. Need, they need some sort of name yeah, to get it Yeah, and, and that's it. And you do think that there's just a wasted cast in here. I came out of it thinking really zero thumbs because I was in no point interested in this movie. Do you know what? I haven't seen any marketing about it. I haven't seen any sort of, mm. you know, there's nothing to promote it out it's there. It's had the, the life beat now of it out of the US, to be honest, ahead of reaching us. I think it reached the US kind of at the very beginning of the year. Okay. And we're a fortnight behind. There's a moment in this movie in which I forget her name, Oscar-nominated actress in the last few years, just says with complete seriousness, oh my God, I, I, I think your house is haunted. And she does it as if she's giving them new information. And genuinely, you have never heard an entire room full of critics erupt into laughter so quickly. Never a good sign. Yeah, and not like the fun kind, like when no. we saw The Prodigy that time yeah. about the evil child and someone yeah, said, yeah, reincarnation yeah. explains everything. And we fell out of our chairs yeah, laughing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, zero thumbs from me. This oh, is an absolute waste of time. I haven't been this bored by a mainstream studio horror film since uh, The Rings reboot in 2017. So this week... <laughs> on the big screen, you're quite limited, if you trust our opinion, yeah. of what is good at the cinema. That's a shame, but there's obviously stuff that's still playing out from mm. previous weeks. But we've also got in our next segment, coming up very shortly, all the things that you can watch on the telly box at home, which hopefully, Van, is a little bit better. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now, we are hitting now movies on TV, so you do not need to move from your sofa if your exercise regime is done and dusted for the year. Do not worry. We will keep you sorted seven days a week. Um, we're kicking off with Saturday. Bone Tomahawk, film 4, 11.05 p.m., Western. It is. It's a Western with a bit of a shift, though. Did you see this when it came out, this one? Yeah, but do you know what? It's not cemented mm. in my mind. Ooh, wow. Okay, I'm surprised. You may want to revisit then, because I thought this was absolutely tremendous. This well, was uh, this was the first big film from S. Craig Zala, writer-director, yeah. who went on to do Brawl and Cell Block 99 and Dragged Across Concrete. Dragged Across Concrete was a, a bit of a, a letdown. This and Brawl and Cell Block 99 were amazing. Basically, you've got a Western. Uh, one of the women from the town is taken. The, the Kurt Russell forms a posse to go out and retrieve her. And his posse consists of Matthew Fox and Patrick Wilson yeah. and Richard Jenkins. This empty area is a mountain range. Forbidden territory has been for centuries. Somewhere in the northwestern part of it is a place my people call the Valley of the Starving Men. Troglodytes are said to live there. That's, uh, that's, that's days from here. How many of them do you think there are? 
It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. I'm riding out with Mr. O'Dwyer because there isn't a choice for either of us. The rest of you can stay. You'll be killed. It's a good old-fashioned kick-and-kill-em western, but with just a little extra spice, I will say. I don't want to ruin it for you. I will say, just, this, this ain't for the faint-hearted. So all, I'd, all I'd say is, I, mm. I suppose, if you're not a western fan, I don't think I really am, mm. Is it worth stretching yourself to watch this? I think so, because once once it throws the hammer down, as I like to say, it <laughs> The really, tomahawk down. It throws the tomahawk down, this good. <laughs> Boy, do they go for it, and it ain't it ain't quite what you'd expect. It's It really does subvert expectation. I loved it. Okie dokie. So film four, 11.05pm on Saturday. That is Bone Tomahawk. Moving on to Sunday. Now, mm. I've just had to ask you... <laughs> yeah, what this was. What this was. I thought you hadn't written down, like, mm. the full like Guardians of the Galaxy title yeah. or something like that but no no I'm I'm wrong uh, Rise of the Guardians film for 2.50pm what is this again? Uh, this is also not to be confused with Guardians of the Tomb the Kellen Lutz Kelsey Grammer I mean, Chinese it, spider movie from a couple of years ago as if we could get this confused yeah we've got to get our Guardians in line so this is Rise of the Guardians it's an animated movie produced by Guillermo del Toro and featuring the voice talents of Chris Pine Alec Baldwin and Jude Law in which Jack Frost finds himself recruited to join the Guardians a posse of uh, sort of fairy tale or mythic characters who basically serve as the Avengers of the fairy tale and fantastical world and have to take on the darkness as played well the boogeyman literally the boogeyman played by jude law and this posse consists of santa claus alec baldwin the easter bunny hugh jackman the sandman the tooth fairy and jack frost i'm not a guardian yeah that's exactly what i said jack i don't think you understand what it is we do each of those lights is a child a child who believes and good or bad naughty or nice we protect them Ah, ah! Tooth! Fingers out of mouth. Oh, sorry. They're beautiful. Okay, no more wishy-washy bitches out there doing who knows what! You mean the, the boogeyman? <laughs> yes! What the hell? It's really good. What? It's actually really good. I was funny enough. I was talking to to Johnny Hearn about it the other day because he said, "Oh, it's something we watch every Christmas," and I can see why. It is a lot of fun. Uh, just absolutely do check it out. If okay. this were in live action, it would have been amazing. It would be huge. I would love yeah. to have seen the pit. Someone trying Pitch. to pitching this movie <laughs> to those actors and being like, "You're yeah. going to play Santa Claus. Yeah, You're yeah. the Easter Bunny. Oh. We're all Avengers." Sorry, uh, Santa, by the way, as played by Alec Baldwin, is Russian as well. I should mention that. Of yeah, course he is, because you know, as yeah. if it couldn't get more ridiculous. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> t- speaking of ridiculous, though, Monday we've not got a clip for this one. So Monday, Paramount Channel, 10 p.m. This is a ridiculous movie. DMX takes the door of a bank vault using using a grenade launcher and a chain, literally chains a, a vault door to a rocket and fires it through a rocket launcher. It's amazing. It's Cradle to the Grave, in which DMX teams up with Jet Li to fight Mark Dacascos. It is as ludicrous as it sounds. It is literally... Have you just given away the whole plot? No. No, I gave away Isn't about... that it? No, that's about the first five <laughs> minutes. It gets... I've not even gotten to how uh, Michael Jace is in there, how Chima Bride runs the world from the world's greatest prison cell, or how there's actually an ATV chase, a quad bike chase, to the sound of X going to give it to you. I mean, Oh, come I do on. love that tune. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly, right? So, uh, moving on. Tuesday, you'll okay. like you'll like. Well, just one. hang on. Just recapping on that. Yeah. That's on Paramount at that, 10 o'clock. That's Paramount at 10, yeah. Um, yeah, and you've just also had an insight into Van's personal life there because he was very <laughs> passionate about that. Tuesday, Cherry Falls, the horror channel, 11 yeah. p.m. If you didn't know what it was, it's a horror because it's on the horror channel. Well, there is that. But also, have you ever seen Cherry Falls? No. Oh, my God. Brace this yourself. Week, Right. For me, I think it's going to yeah. be like a, 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 a new awakening in movies. I'm just I'm not sure how Darling, I feel about you, this. You brace yourself for this. This is a real movie that exists. We need video. My so, face is not. It's not about three or four years after Screen came about, when yeah. the uh, the teen horror thing was in full swing. You know that cycle of the teen horror boom. I do. Uh, we got Cherry Falls in the year 2000. It I have starred, seen the poster. You will have. It stars Michael Bean from the Terminator series. Okay. It stars Jay Moore, who used to be in movies. I remember him yep. and uh, it stars the late Brittany Murphy as a teenager this is how far back this was a goth teenager too it takes place in a small town called Cherry Falls and sees a serial killer before the teens of the town but his MO is he'll only kill virgins four teenagers have been killed a fifth viciously attacked all victims appeared to be virgins Whoever has decided to take themselves off the endangered species list and have sex. I need to ask you a personal question. About how far you've gone, base-wise, can you go further? Tell me about Laura Lee Sherman, tell me! That was 25 years ago. Yes, the practical solution is let's all have an orgy and lose our virginity. That's literally where this goes. It is insane! I was literally like, that is so selective. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's it's a garbage film, but it's kind of fun garbage. Okay. So absolutely. It's early two thousands. It. Yeah, it's also garbage. Yeah, it's also got a sequence in which the late Britney Murphy tries to be kinky that's just all sorts of brilliant cringe. Like just worth seeing for that. Are they like are like are the girls wearing like oversized belts that don't Co- have no purpose? Possible cowboy boots. Did I or did I not say this was the year two thousand? Yeah. Did I or did yeah. I Yeah. I know, like the handkerchief tops and things like that. Exactly. I mean, it's I'm just I'm just reminiscing uh, for my own purposes of my youth. Exactly, here. you know, the girl all the bad guys won. Bring, one. bring you know. back those days. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of bringing it back, then uh, one that we do bring back every time it's on because it's a classic. It's the one, the only. Blue Sea. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to love it. I mean, that LL track is just... That's that's an all-timer. That might be my favourite movie theme tune ever. Uh, Deep Blue Sea. Scientists create sharks. They make them too intelligent. And they have to fight their way I, out of the lab. That's it. I found that's always the issue when we're trying to, you know, yeah, genetically well, I, modify yeah. sharks. Do you, do you have this issue I as have well? this issue every time. And LL Cool J just never answers my calls. Keep telling you, you've got to double-check your figures. When I know. You, yeah, anyway. So, five star, <laughs> nine o'clock on Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, this list is getting better and better as we go along. Right, you've got to repeat what you asked me when, about our next film, which is Thursday night, <laughs> film four, 9pm. It's Snowpiercer. Bex, what was the question you the asked question me about was, Snowpiercer? Is that, is that the one with the trolls running down the mountain? Yeah. And I was like, he was like, no. 
And then I was like, is that, but the trolls, there is a film that came out at the same time as Snowpiercer with trolls. What's it called? Troll Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what, what is in a name? A rose by any other name. Uh, Snowpiercer is the film I voted the best film of the last decade. It is a film by uh, Bong Joon-ho, who has the Parasite in cinema shortly, yep. uh, which is up for all sorts of awards. It stars Chris Evans. It stars John Hurt. It stars Tilda Swinton, Jamie Bell, Ewan Bremner, Ed Harris, Alison Pill, uh, Octavia Spencer, I can go on and on and on on this film. It is basically George Orwell on a train, and it is amazing. As in the beginning, I belong to the front. You belong to the tail. When the foot seeks the place of the head, a sacred line is crossed. Know your place. Keep your place. Be a shoe. And you know what's also amazing is that instead of watching this movie, mm. I watched a movie with trolls running down the mountain. <laughs> it's honestly so good. This is its UK TV premiere, Thursday night, 9pm, uh, Film 4. However, it is available on UK Netflix as well. So if you want an alternative way to view it, uh, I cannot recommend it highly enough. I think it's an absolutely amazing film. There is a TV adaptation coming out in a matter of months uh, that will star uh, Jennifer Connelly in the Tullus Oh, Rotten I world. love Jennifer Connelly. Bring back oh, the labyrinth days. However... Uh, Tilda, uh, unlike Tilda Swinton, Jennifer Connelly will not be doing the faux Maggie Thatcher thing, okay. which is kind of what made it for me. So no, our last and, film... And no trolls. No trolls. No okay. trolls in this All one. Right. Sorry. Just checking. So what we got for our last film of the week, Miss Perfect? Oh, we've got an officer and a gentleman. Thought you'd like this. Yeah, five select, <laughs> 10 p.m., oh. Do you remember what Richard Gere's name is in this film? No. Zach I... Mayo. What an interesting condiment. <laughs> <laughs> quite, the con- quite, quite the conundrum and condiment. So he is Zach Mayo, he's the aspiring uh don't, Air Force I just do you know what recruit, I don't even yeah, I don't even remember this. I just remember mm. thinking how hot Richard Gere is and I just I don't even I don't even know the plot line other than there's an officer and a gentleman. But um mm. <laughs> he just is he's he's gorgeous in this. Well that's it. He's the guy he's the I'm aspiring so rec- the aspiring recruit who wants to graduate through the elite training routine. Yeah. Uh, doesn't want to have his, his dropout report or his DOR as it were and he gets uh, basically just tortured by his drill sergeant played by Lou Gossett Jr. Yo. and of course it's got that amazing ending that iconic ending that we all remember that lovely desert where we Don't, yeah, I know. I'm gonna, I, the tears are forming I know I know right and of course there's the whole element of his uh, you know the, the girls in the town the townies and how they try and entrap these naval men uh, I'll tell you what it's, it's all about that Lou Gossett Jr. I want your DOR I ain't gonna quit spell it D Oh, oh, I ain't gonna quit. Yeah, then you can be free and you and your daddy can get drunk and go hall chasing again, huh? No, sir! D-O-R! I ain't gonna quit! All right, then you can forget it. You're out! Don't you do it! Don't you! I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got no place else to go. Done so much better in Wayne's World, I'm not going to lie. It really is, actually. It really is. Yeah, it really is. You're nothing. You're less than nothing. <laughs> What's keeping you here? <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, that closes out the week for us, doesn't it? 5 select 10 p.m. on Friday. Finish your week with a bit of gear, ladies and gentlemen. And we're back. And you know what? We'll keep you on the couch for now and talk about home platforms, VODs, discs, those kind of things. Anything you want to watch it on. Anything you want to watch it on. So the first film we've got this week, I don't know if you saw, did you see this one? It was out on theatrical. Yes. So Ad Astra starring Brad Pitt. Let's whiz through this because it's Mm. so slow, it's making my brain slow down. So it's Brad Pitt 
as like a colonel that goes into space, got daddy issues, all that kind of jazz. It's blooming boring. <laughs> Major, what can you tell us about the Lima project? First manned expedition to the outer solar system, sir. Some 29 years ago. And the commander was? It was my father, sir. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And no data was ever recovered. Deep space missions were halted after that. Roy, we have something that might come as quite a shock to you. We believe your father is still alive near Neptune. My father's alive, sir? We believe so. Yeah, he sounds about as bored as you'll be watching this. Yes! So, yeah. It's yeah. such an arty-farty movie that's like, it's all about the visuals, but no substance to it. And Brad Pitt, what are you doing? Shame on you. Get back with Jennifer Aniston right now. Really? That's a thing? Okay. Like, where were you during the No, 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 I know that. I'm just saying, does anyone want Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston to get back together? One, the whole internet, fan. No! 100%. Right. Off topic, Ad Astra sucks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Downton Abbey then, which oh, I know. We, we saw this together, we didn't saw we? saw this together, and I'm not going to lie. You watched the whole series afterwards. I did. Right, so all series, all six series, mm. and all the and Christmas all the specials. specials. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> so we went into this movie going, right, we've never seen Downton. Oh, God, we're going to have to gonna review go? Well, yeah, we were like, they're going to have to review this. What's the point? And we came out howling. It is delightful as a movie, so much so that they're going to make a sequel to apparently it. Apparently about four years from now, apparently it'll take a while because he's busy and the cast are all like they're famous. Whatever, now. hurry it up. But so the plot, this one is the royal family visit Downton Abbey. They're coming to visit Downton and everyone is in a tiz. Does Miss Smith know the truth? Yes, she does. When I get home, I will hire another maiden. Lucy can be my companion. But that's much more suitable. And I'm afraid you'll dislike it, but she says that she and Tom Branson have agreed to correspond. If you dislike it, I will lick the stones myself. <laughs> you are amazing, Violet. You haven't won, you know. I don't believe in defeat. I love me some Maggie Smith in this flick, yeah. Who doesn't? Do. She is she is a doll in this. Like yeah. that is the reason why I went back and watched the entire series and I am hooked. I know who everyone is now. The upstairs <laughs> downstairs thing. I mean, I am in love with this. So if you haven't seen it and you've never watched Downton Abbey before, this will get you into it. Go Stop. watch it. My thought when I was watching Downton Abbey is do you remember that that bit in Family Guy <laughs> when they do British, fancy British porn? In Family Guy. <laughs> I just kept thinking of that all the way through down to now. <laughs> you know, Marjorie, we could be having sex right now. But that's not, you know, <laughs> one of those kind of things. Uh, so let's move on to Hotel Mumbai. Very different Very different film. Very different, Very different tone. Yeah, yes. So this is about the hostage situation in the hotel in Mumbai. Yeah. Uh, starring Dev Patel. Yes. And Army Hammer. Yeah. Army Hammer. And, uh, Army Hammer. Army Hammer. And, and it's because I walked past a poster many years ago when Lone Ranger was out. Right. And there was, a, uh, there was two guys stood in front of it just staring at it, dumbstruck. Remember, we didn't know who Army Hammer was at this point. Yeah. And they were trying to work out how to say his name. And one of them, in the most confused tone you've ever heard, just stared at it, tilted his head, went, Are my Hammer? <laughs> and yeah. That so film, I mean, you didn't know who Army Hammer was at the time, and that film could have ended his career anyway. Could, so. could have been, but this this wouldn't. This is good. Yeah, so yeah. so Hotel Mumbai, it's like a step-by-step reenaction of the 
devastating terror mm. attack on a particular hotel, Mumbai, yep. in Mumbai. Um, and it's We've how... Taj Mahal Palace Hotel, hotel I believe. Yeah. Is it? Yes, um, in, um, and, and what happens is, is it shows lots of different points of view of people mm. who are affected by this and how the night, the terrifying night, plays out. It's got a little bit of... Uh, it gets a little bit convoluted, I think, as the action goes on towards yeah. the third act. But the, the setup for it, and indeed the second act, when it really gets into sort of what they what the hostages went through. Yeah. Ooh, that is suspenseful. And stuff. you know what? It also it happened not like a decade ago, right? So there's lots of people yeah, who that, yeah. yeah, so there's lots of people who actually will remember it from the news. There's lots of people who obviously will have lived through it, like, you know, from Mumbai and places, you know, similar and families over here who would have had family members there. So to see this played out on the big screen is, is quite harrowing for a lot of people, but that's mm. also a testament to the fact that it's actually a really, really good movie. I mean, it got nominated for a lot of awards last year. To be fair. I'm just looking at the list now. But, uh, I mean, it, it, no Oscar love, obviously, but uh, yeah. worth seeing. I would say worth seeing. And yet again, proof, you know, Dev Patel, he's a hell of an actor. He just gets better and better. He really does. So onto the, onto the streams. Ooh, onto can the I tell you a little story that I, I saw about Dev Patel, about why he got into acting? By all means, go on. Okay, his mum... There was an open casting call, which unbeknownst to him was for Skins. Oh, I was going to say, was it for that? Yeah, yeah. and uh, his mum was like, well, there aren't enough Indian actors on telly. Why don't... And took him out of school and took him to that casting. And the rest Excellent. Love it. So, uh, on to streaming then. Let's talk about... Uh, this is a film I, I actually really want to watch again after having seen 1917. I think we said that when we reviewed it, yeah. didn't we? And that's, of course, Dunkirk, which is premiering on Netflix this next week, I've got a little Wednesday bit, the 29th. I've got a little bit of an issue of it being on Netflix. Yeah. Not Netflix, as a platform in general. Mm. This is a film for me I feel you have to see in the cinema. Well, you and I saw it in IMAX on, yeah. on, on film, and 35mm in IMAX, 17mm, yeah. 35mm. So what I would say is go and watch it on the biggest telly you can, <laughs> turn all the lights off, make it pitch black, yep. no distractions. If you've got a soundbar, use it. Your weekend sailors, not the bloody Navy. You should be at home. There's no hiding from this, son. We have a job to do. Turn it around! If you'll fight on the beaches, We'll fight on the landing grounds. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. Where's the bloody air force? And the sound of that is why. Yes. Oof. God, yeah. What a movie, that ticking right? clock. Everything about mm. it gets your heart racing. It's such an exciting movie. It deserves your full, unabided attention. Also, it's Christopher Nolan. Come on, mate. Don't mess around. Just just stick it on the biggest screen you can. Turn all the lights off and, and soak up the Nolan. It's just that, That's just what you do. I can't wait for Tenet. I really can't. Yeah, I know. I'm so but, excited uh, about that. Now, other things starting with a T. What's a tenuous connection? Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, um, Ted Bundy falling for a killer on Amazon Prime from Friday the 31st of January. Interestingly, mm. I've watched Ted Bundy Confessions of a Killer on Netflix. Could we have had a, a few Bundy yeah. things this last year? And then the Zac Efron brilliant reimagining of it. Extremely that wicked. Was on, that was extremely yeah and mm. oh, shockingly violent. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was very good, and I thought mm. he was brilliant as Bundy. And yeah. now, having watched the Confessions of a Killer on Netflix, I know more about yeah. Ted Bundy, which will make this more interesting to watch. He's fascinating mm. as a criminal. Well, that's the thing. So this documentary on Amazon is largely from the girlfriend's perspective and, oh. and going into it that way so basically yeah. what drew her in he loved her like yeah. so nothing ever happened to her 
But all these other poor women... Uh, of course, had very different relationships with him. Yes, as, 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 as My knowledge of Ted Bundy largely comes from the Zac Efron movie, I'm not going to lie. So I will be intrigued to watch this. I think definitely so. watch this because there are a lot of confession tapes played mm. out with him Ooh, in prison. Yes. There's also, you know, his absolute bloody-mindedness that mm. he wasn't a killer. Wasn't... Uh, wasn't shy of voicing an opinion or two, was he? No, and it like even connect, <laughs> he even put himself forward as his own lawyer. I mean, he's bonkers. He really was. He really was. Uh, but he did come up with one of the most unintentionally brilliant Halloween costumes ever. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got all those to look forward to on streaming this week. Uh, next week, what have we got sort of coming out theatrically next week? Some interesting we stuff. have um, a lovely day in the neighbourhood. Tom Hanks. Oh yes, a beautiful, a beautiful day a beautiful in the neighbourhood. Well, you know, for me, yeah. it's always lovely. Um, and uh, we've also got Queen and Slim. Ah, yes, this is Daniel Kaluuya's. Sort yeah. Stab at an Oscar this Rich year. Rich Jewel is out next week as well. Have you had the pleasure of that yet? No, but no. I will. Uh, we've also got, and I, I've been looking forward to watching this, I hear it's bonkers, mm. uh, The Lighthouse. Yes. You, Robert Pattinson. Is it Defoe? Willem Defoe, yeah. Yeah. Willem Defoe, not Willem Defriend. And Robert Pattinson, which apparently is just those two in a lighthouse losing their minds in black and white, which is about all I need from an hour and a half of a movie. I'm not so sure that will entice me in. <laughs> I Sounds arty farty to me. I sat through Willem Defoe as Van Gogh last year, so <laughs> this this cannot be as trying as that was. Well, way. do you know what? Next week cannot be as trying as this week. <laughs> there in is movies, that. There so is there's, there's that. that. I'm looking my links at the moment. <laughs> So that is this week and that is next week and we look forward much more to what next week's got to offer on the movies. So for you guys at home, it's probably a big DVD and TV binge for you rather than heading out to the cinema. There's not a huge amount on offer unless you are a big Dickensian fan. I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor. And this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>